This week, guess what we're going to try and do again? We're going to try and start the journey. I loved your excitement there, dear. What? That was great. We're going to start the journey again. You know, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we started the journey, and then God had something different in mind, and all the power went out, and things were hitting the windows, and I thought I was going to get electrocuted by the sound system and everything, so we shut it down. So tonight, we're going to start the journey again. This whole idea of the journey, guys, surprisingly enough, comes from Jesus Christ himself. Yeah, isn't that amazing? You know? Jesus, hey, Jesus has got a lot of cool ideas. You ought to read his book sometime. It's pretty neat. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. It's where he's standing up and he's preaching to all these people out in front of him. And Jesus says something in verse 13 that talks about this journey that we're going to look at for the next couple weeks. And what he says in chapter 7, verse 13 of Matthew, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You see, he's preaching this sermon and he's talking about all these different things on how people ought to treat people and, and he's teaching in these parables and all of a sudden he jumps over after he talks about what we call the golden rule and the way we should treat people. He jumps into this idea of a journey. This idea that every single one of us, we are on a path. He says there's the wide gate, this easy open road that leads to destruction, and there's this narrow gate, this hard, difficult road that leads to life. And see, what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks is, is we're not going to spend much time on, on the wide road because the reality is the wide road's easy. That's what Christ says himself. A lot of people you know, they spend their time on the wide road. They spend their time living for themselves. That's what happens on the wide, wide road. That's why it's easy because when you're going down the wide road, when you're following that path to destruction, the only person you're concerned about is me, myself, and I. We live for ourselves when we're on that road. We don't care about God. We're not trying to glorify God. We don't care what He thinks. But you see, the other road, the narrow road, the one that you've got to go through, the narrow gate, the one that leads to life, that's not so easy. Because when you make a choice to follow that path, you're making a choice to live for somebody besides yourself. You're making a choice to live your life for God. That means the decisions you make, the relationships that you have, the movies you watch, the music you listen to, the people you hang around with, you're putting every single bit of that before who God is and what God wants for your life. Basically, you become second in your priorities. There's actually a campaign out now. It's called I Am Second. You guys have probably heard of some of that. And you've got some, some pretty popular people. You've got... You got Athletes like Bethany Hamilton, the lady they made Soul Surfer about, who lost her arm in a shark attack and went back to professional surfing. You've got a guy that used to be the bass player for the group called Corn, Brian Head Welch, who has given up that entire lifestyle because he found Jesus Christ. You've got all kinds of people. You guys ever heard of Lecrae? Lecrae's a part of this. Check it out. It's, it's a website. I am second. And you can see all of these athletes, all these actors, all these people that you may have never known they had a relationship with Christ, they're stepping up and saying, you know what, it's not about me, it's about God. It's about that relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what this narrow path is. When we start down that narrow path, 
when we enter through that narrow gate and we start walking towards that life that God talks about, our life's not always going to be easy. You're going to see some amazing things. You're going to see God do some things that you never imagined. Things that you didn't think were possible. But you're also going to see things that sometimes are just tragic. Maybe in your life, maybe in somebody else's life. But you see, that's exactly what Jesus told us was going to happen. He said, when you go down this road, it's going to be hard. When you go down this narrow path, it's not going to be easy. Some people will tell you that when you become a Christian, when you decide to follow God through Jesus Christ, it's going to be great. And it is. But they tell you that, you know, God's going to bless you every single day. God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide all the money that you need. He's going to give you everything you ever wanted. You're never going to get sick again. Basically, they're preaching what's called the health and wealth gospel. If you follow Christ, your life will never be difficult again. That's not what Jesus says right here. Jesus says the narrow path is going to be difficult and few people find it. And here's the question I want you to be thinking about tonight is we're looking at this narrow path and we're talking about the journey, this walk with God on the narrow path. Are you on it? Which path are you walking tonight? Are you walking the one that's wide, the one that's easy, the one that leads to destruction, making decisions that glorify and honor you? Are you walking on the narrow path, the one that can be hard, the one that's going to cause you to take some risks because God's called you to do some things that you're not really comfortable doing? That's the question I want you to consider tonight. Which one of these paths are you on? Which journey are you walking tonight? You see, tonight we're going to spend a little time looking at a guy named Saul. Most of you, if you've been around church at all, you probably know him better as Paul. Because, see, I think looking at his journey, looking at the beginning of his journey, and that's where we got to start because every journey has a starting point, right? You can't go from one place without starting from somewhere else. As we look at his journey and where he started, there's some things that we can learn about our own journey. There's some things that apply to us. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at the journey and we're going to look at the narrow path. And we're going to see there's some things that God calls us to do that are incredible things but aren't always comfortable things. There's some things that God calls us to be a part of that we may not always want to be a part of, but they're essential to the journey with him. So let's start looking at Saul. If you've got your Bibles tonight, which I hope you do, turn to Acts chapter 9. We're going to read a couple things in Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 8, but we're going to spend most of our time in Acts chapter 9, so that's where I want you to turn tonight, to the very first verse. You see, the first time that we see Saul is at the end of Acts chapter 7. There was this guy named Stephen, this guy that was a Christian. And what he was doing is he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, he gets called before the high priest. They arrest him and they charge him with blasphemy. They charge him with teaching these doctrines that are against what they've believed in up until now. And when he gets before the high priest... Stephen just starts preaching again. And if you go through and read the entire chapter 7, all of Acts chapter 7 is Stephen preaching to the religious people about who Jesus Christ was and the fact that they killed the Son of God and that he came back from the dead and that he is alive and well. But you see, they didn't want to hear that. It actually talks about how the group there has this mob mentality, how when he got done preaching, it says they were gnashing their teeth and they rushed him and they grabbed him and took him out of the city and they stoned him to death. 
They took rocks and they threw them at him until he died. That's a pretty horrible way to die. And this is where we see Saul the first time because it tells us in Acts chapter 7 that there was a young man that all the people were laying their cloaks at the feet of and that was Saul. He was standing there just watching this. Watching what these people were doing to Stephen. And then we pick up in Acts chapter 8 verse 1. We see Saul again. It says, Saul approved of his execution. Talking about Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now understand something about Saul here. Saul is a Roman citizen. Saul is also a rabbi. Saul has been trained in the Old Testament scriptures. Saul could probably quote those to you. Saul, as far as he knew, he was all about God and he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. Saul has been taught that these people, this little tiny sect, these, these Jesus Christ followers, they were blasphemers. They were teaching things that according to the scripture they knew were not true. And because that was the case, because they were polluting people's minds with this story of Jesus Christ, they had to be stopped. So he went after them. It says he was going into the houses and he was dragging out men and women and taking them to prison. He was doing everything he could to stomp out Christianity and he was doing it in the name of God. You see, where we find Paul right here, where we find Saul, however you want to call him, we find him on a journey, but it's not on the narrow road. Saul is on that wide road. Saul thinks he's doing what God wants him to do, but as we're going to find further along, that's not what God wanted him to do at all. You see, we can go for a long time on that wide road. We can do the things that we think God wants us to do, but until we are walking with Jesus Christ, we're not walking with God. We're not doing the things God wants us to do. Look at what Saul's doing in nine, chapter 9, verse 1. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He's on a mission. His job is to wipe out Christianity, to do everything he can. And it's safe to say here that he's an enemy of God. Would you say that? Knowing what you know about Jesus Christ, what Saul was doing, he was an enemy of God. He was trying to wipe out the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you see, every single one of us, if we're not there now, we have been at some point. If you're in here, even if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ tonight, at some point in your life, you were walking down that wide road. Because you were born walking down that wide road. That gate is wide. That path is easy. It leads to destructions. You and I are born walking that path. We are born on that journey. Because we are born depraved and separated from God and full of sin. That's just the fact of the matter. It's harsh. Some people don't like the sound of that, but that's what Scripture tells us. It tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Every single one of us, we are born walking that same path. We are born enemies of God just the way Saul was here. And you may say, you know what, I've never persecuted Christians. I've never gone to their house and tried to drag them out and tried to have them killed or watch while somebody was killed because of what they believed. Well, that's true. But you're still born a sinner. But you're still in that same spot that Saul's in. You still, at some point in your life, when you were born, you didn't have that relationship with Christ. My prayer is that everybody in this room, everybody in this church, everybody in this city would be on that narrow path. But the reality is, as Scripture tells us, that narrow path is found by few. Think about how many hundreds or even thousands of people are in your school. Now think about how many of them don't really have a relationship with Christ. That's a lot. Even if you go to a Christian school, it's a lot. The journey is hard. But I tell you, it's incredible. But you know what? When you're on that journey, when you're, when you're, when you're walking away from God, when you're on that wide path, at some point in time, wake up, stay with me. God's going to get your attention. If you are walking on the wide path, that road that leads to destruction, at some point in time, God is going to get your attention. That's what he does with Saul. Look at verse 3 of chapter 9. It says, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Saul has gone to the high priest and said, Hey, I need letters. I need your permission to go after these people that believe in Jesus Christ so I can bring them back and put them in prison. Now, Damascus was a hundred, approximately 135 miles from Jerusalem. They didn't have cars back then. That is a six-day journey by foot, typically. That is how bad Saul wanted to stomp out Christianity. He was willing to walk six days just to find people that profess Christ so he could bring them back and throw them in prison. Let me, get, let me give you a little perspective for that. How many of you, and I want you to be honest, if I told you to leave this room, and I want you to walk all the way over to the sanctuary, and I want you to go to the left side in front of the organ, and I want you to go up those stairs, and right in the center, under the sixth pew, taped on the bottom, is a penny. How many of you would get up and actually go get that? Okay, there's a couple of you. There's a couple of you that would, because money's money, right? Hello? Now, if I told you it was a $100 bill, how many of you would go get it? Okay. You know why? Because with that $100 bill, all of a sudden it matters to you. All of a sudden, you have a vested interest. You have a reason, because you know it means something. With that penny, not really that big deal. But you see, that's how passionate Saul was about what he was doing. Even if it was one Christian, even if he only found one person, he went to get letters, he said, so that he could find, let me read it so I make it correct, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that could have been one person. Saul was making that trip. That's how passionate he was about stomping out Christianity. That's pretty passionate. I wish sometimes we had that same passion about sharing Christ 
with other people. That we would be willing to travel that far, go to that much trouble, just to tell somebody who Jesus Christ is. But that's not where Saul is right now. He's walking along this road. He is trained in the Old Testament Scriptures. He is a rabbi. He believes he is on a mission for God. And God gets his attention. It says he's walking along that road, and all of a sudden, this bright light shines. It tells us later in Acts, if you keep reading about Paul, he tells us later that that light was brighter than the sun. Have any of you ever tried to stare at the sun? Can you do it for very long? You, you just lied in church. If it's raining, if you're trained... Okay, guys, guys, hey, this Saturday at noon, Justin's going to have a sun-staring training out here on the football field, okay? It takes a while, okay. Stop it. You can't stare at the sun for very long. And even if you do succeed doing it just for a little while, then you've got that yellow spot that you can try to catch all day long because it's burned into your retina. From looking at the sun. The sun will make you blind. This tells us that this light that he looked at was brighter than the sun. This thing that he saw, this thing that got his attention, it says a light from heaven shone around him. This is brighter than the sun, guys. God got his attention. God got his attention. He is on a mission, doing what he thought God wanted him to do, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God gets his attention. And then see what happens in the next verse. Verse 4. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul sees this bright light, and he drops. It doesn't say he sat down. He took his time. He leisurely reclined. It says, falling to the ground, he heard the voice. Guys, that is the power and presence of Jesus Christ. That is why Scripture tells us that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. Because when you are in the presence of God, when you are in the presence of Jesus Christ, you can't stay on your feet. Because he is Lord. He is God. And you don't have a choice. That's awesome. And that's where Saul finds himself right now. And he talks. This is what I love. Jesus talks directly to Saul. Verbally. He hears him. You know, we talk about how do we hear from God. We read the scriptures. We pray. He has Jesus talking to him. I'd say he's getting his attention. And Jesus says this. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, was Saul actively chasing Jesus Christ? Was he? No. He's going after his believers. But you see, Jesus identifies himself with his believers. It would be like this. How many of you have a brother or sister? Okay. If your brother or sister is going about their day, and you're just watching them do their thing, and all of a sudden somebody walks up, somebody bigger, Somebody stronger, somebody meaner, somebody uglier. I know some of you think that's not possible, but it is. And they start pushing them around. Knock them down on the ground. Kick them a time or two, just for good measure. 
Are you going to sit there and let that happen? Those of you who said yes, you're horrible. And we've already talked about that. No. Or better yet, what if it's your mom? Ooh, now, you, now you're meddling right now. Yeah, it's on. Hey. That's the way Jesus has taken this attack from Saul. Jesus isn't saying, hey, you need to stop messing with my brothers and sisters. You need to stop messing with, with God's kids. Why are you coming after me is what he asks. When somebody attacks our family, when somebody comes after our brothers and sisters or our moms or our dad, or when you become parents, your kids, oh, you, want, you, want to see a mom's, you want to see a mom go crazy? You mess with her kids. I've seen it. It's not pretty. But it's what's supposed to happen. It's like they're attacking you. When somebody comes after your family, you jump on it like they had just done the same thing to you. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about right here. He's saying, Saul, okay, yeah, you're going after my brothers and sisters. You're going after the children of God. But in doing that, you're coming after me. And I got a problem with that. He says, why are you persecuting me? And he asks him this question. And the most important thing he's doing here is he's helping Saul realize that Saul has thought this entire time he is doing what God wants him to do. He's thought he's been on the right page. But Jesus has shown him, Saul, you're walking in the wrong direction. You're persecuting me. You're persecuting God. You are an enemy of God. Did you know that? If we are not following Jesus Christ, if we are not in a relationship with Him, Scripture tells us that we are an enemy of God. It says so in James chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If you are walking down the wide path, if you are living for yourself, if you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you are His enemy. That's what Scripture says. When you are making choices to live for yourself... You are God's enemy. That's where Saul finds himself right now. He didn't realize that. And maybe some of you in here don't realize that. Maybe you've been showing up to church and you've been doing all the right things. But the reality is you don't have a relationship with Christ. That makes you an enemy of God. That's a scary place to be. And that's exactly where Saul finds himself. God has gotten his attention and God is about to tell him through Jesus Christ that your journey with God, this narrow path, this difficult path that leads to life, it starts with Jesus Christ. That's what the narrow gate is, folks. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it tells us that few find it because there are a lot of people out there, when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they will turn around and they will walk the other way. But a journey with God starts with Jesus Christ. That's what Saul finds out right here, starting in verse 7. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing 
no one. Now you know, you know this had to cause some confusion for Saul. If this entire time he has believed that he is doing what God wants him to do, and all of a sudden he is in the presence of Jesus Christ, he is on his knees, and Jesus is telling him, you're persecuting the person you claim to be defending. You're persecuting me. And I want you to stop it. I want you to get up. I want you to go into the city. And I want you to wait. And I'll tell you what to do from there. There's going to be some men that will come and help you out. You see, Jesus has, or uh, Jesus, Saul has just realized that this relationship he thought he had, he didn't have. He wasn't walking with God. He thought he was, but he wasn't. You see, we can do the same thing. We can do all the right things. We can come to church on Sunday and Wednesday. We can read our Bible. We can know all the songs. We can have spent six years in Awana and have all the awards. We can have all kinds of scripture memorized. We can even share Christ with people. We can even stand on a stage and preach and not be walking with God. Because if we have not had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the person and presence of God's Son, we're not on a journey with God. That's where the journey starts. That's what has happened to Saul right here. We can live this good, moral life, do everything that we think we should do. Saul thought he was there, guys. He was a trained rabbi. He knew the Old Testament. He was a man of God by all popular opinion. And still, he wasn't walking with God. Which path are you on? Think about that for a second. Are you doing all the right things like Saul did, but still don't have a relationship with Christ? Or do you have a relationship with Christ, even though you don't always get the right things right? You see, Paul didn't realize he was on the wrong path. He didn't realize that his journey wasn't leading him towards God. But this encounter right here, this encounter changes everything. It changes his life dramatically. Look at what it says in the next verse. Verse 8. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was out without sight and neither ate nor drank. Saul just found out that his journey began with God. And just like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, your journey may be difficult. He told him that, right? He said the narrow path is difficult and few find it. Saul's journey, his relationship with God starts out difficult. Guys, he's blind. He can't see anything. He has encountered Christ, brighter than the sun, fallen to his knees, and now he can't see. And the only option he has is to let the people around him pick him up and guide him to where Jesus told him to go. Can you imagine if that's what happened when people encountered Christ now? Think about it on a Sunday morning. Pastor Ray gives the invitation. You have a couple people, they accept Christ. And right as they step out into the aisle, all of a sudden they can't see. And they're trying to find the, they're trying to find the altar. And you got old men walking into the women's restrooms. And you got, you got little kids coming down all over the place and tripping over people. 
And they can't see where they're going? Yeah, I see that now. That's not going to work more than once. But that's what's going on with Saul. He's encountered Christ and immediately his path is difficult. Immediately he's got problems on his journey. And it's not going to stop here. If you continue to read what Paul went through in following God, we see later in Acts that he's shipwrecked. He's bitten by a snake. He's stoned on more than one occasion, and I'm talking about the rocks again. He's thrown in prison. He's beaten. Ah, yeah, you get it now. Don't act like y'all had never heard that before. Saul's journey, guys, is hard. His journey's hard. From the very first step he takes with Christ, his experience is hard. When you start a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you understand that He died on the cross for your sin, when you ask for His forgiveness, that doesn't mean everything's going to be great. Your parents may still be divorced or splitting up. Somebody close to you may still be dying from something. One of your friends may pass away while you're in high school or middle school. You may go through something hard in your life that you just don't understand how to deal with. Scripture tells us that the journey is going to be difficult. But that in no way negates the love and compassion that God has for every single one of us. In the fact that He sent His Son to die on a cross. Saul's journey is starting out hard. Now we talked about last year, we did a series called Resolved. And in that series, I talked to you guys about how being resolved to follow God, to doing what He wants us to do with our lives, that may require us to turn over some things to Him. That may require us to do some things that we normally wouldn't do if it was left up to us. Some things that are difficult. Some things that are hard. And that's what Saul has been called to right here from the very beginning. He encounters Christ. He's blind. Now he's got to get up. He's got to let other people lead him to this city of Damascus. And he's got to sit there and wait. Wait for whatever God does next. He's got to wait for these men or this person that God says that he's coming. But you see, the cool thing is, when we follow God, when we do what he wants us to do, we'll see some amazing things happen. That's what goes on with Saul next. In fact, Saul, Saul understands in this next part of his journey, one of the really cool things and something we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks specifically, is that your journey will require other people. Your journey, your walk with Christ, you're going to need other people to help you on that journey. You're going to need to be the person who helps someone else along their journey. Look at what happens to Saul next. In verse 10, And now there was a disciple... At Damascus, named Ananias, the Lord sent him, sent to him a vision. Ananias, and he said, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise, I'm losing my place here, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. 
But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, and carry my name before the Gentiles and kings. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the situation Ananias is in right now? Think about, think about that one teacher, that class you can't wait to get out of every single day. That teacher that you are scared to death. I don't need to know who it is or what period it is, especially if you go to school at NFC. Think about that one teacher that just scares the living daylights out of you. You pray that they don't call on you. You pray that you do everything right. Now, what if God came to you and said, I want you tomorrow at the beginning of class to walk up to that teacher and tell them God wants me to pray for you. Let's do it right now. Okay. Some of you, how many of you would actually do that? Okay. That's up to you. Very few of you. We had one answer up here that said, I would just pray for him on my own. But you know what? Ananias had that option. He could have just said, okay, God, I'm going to pray right here. God, don't you know who this guy is? God, this, this is Saul. This is the guy that's trying to take us and throw us in prison 130 some odd miles away. God, you don't, no, let me pray for him here. But you see, God does something that he does for us sometimes when we have doubts about what he's called us to do. He gives, Saul, he gives Ananias reassurance. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I need you to do this. I need you to be the one that goes and does this. This is what I'm calling you to. And Ananias, despite his reservation, despite what he's scared of doing, he gets up and he goes to Saul and he prays for him. And he gets to see the change in this man's life. Because he's willing to do the uncomfortable thing, because he's willing to go to Saul, he gets to go and see exactly what God is doing there. Look at what it says in verse 18. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and he was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately, not 5, 10, 15 days later, immediately, immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. I want to stop right there for a second. Sometimes we get shared or scared to share Christ with people. We're scared of doing it. And we think, you know what? I need to be trained. I need somebody to give me this little outline that I can memorize. That is not the case. If you have the Bible, you know how to share Christ with somebody. Because the story of Christ is all over it from the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the New Testament. And yeah, there are verses somebody can help you, somebody can show you, but you can get up and immediately tell people who Christ is. 
That's what Saul does, and that's what we can do. Just a little reminder there. We don't have to be scared because we have the same Holy Spirit that empowered Saul in us if we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It says, He proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard Him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? Isn't this the guy? Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. We know what he did. No, this, this can't be the same guy. People will do that to you. When you start a relationship with God, when you enter through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ's blood on the cross and his resurrection, somebody may look at you the first time you talk about that relationship and say, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know you. I know the person you've been. I know the things you've done. I know the things that you've said. I know the way that you've treated your parents. Ah, no, 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 no. And they're going to doubt it. They're not going to understand it. But you see, that didn't stop Saul. And that shouldn't stop us. There are going to be people who don't understand. Your own parents may not understand some of the things God calls you to do. But that doesn't lessen the calling of God. You may not understand some of the things that God calls you to do. But that doesn't lessen the calling of God. It didn't for Saul and it doesn't for us. Has he not come here for the purpose to bring them bound before the chief priest? 22, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Saul's encounter. Saul's Saul's face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ required a response. Saul had a choice. When he heard that voice, when he fell to his knees, in that moment, he had a decision to make. He could follow God, or he could keep doing what he was doing. When you encounter Christ, you have a choice to make. And then you make another choice every single day. When you encounter Christ and you know that He died on a cross for our sins and you know that he's, His blood offers us forgiveness and He rose three days after His death and He conquered death and He conquered sin and He offers us a relationship with God through all of that, you have a choice to accept that or to turn around and continue on the wide path. But after you accept that, you make a choice every single day to follow Him. To take up your cross. To take up your burdens. To take up the things that you don't understand that are difficult in your life. To take up the things that people don't understand about you because you're walking with Christ and you're not the same person you were before you knew who He was. So my question still stands to you tonight. Which path are you walking? Are you on the wide path? Are you on the easy path? The path where life is all about you? Or are you walking the narrow path? Have you encountered Jesus Christ personally? Not, hey, yeah, all my friends are talking about this Jesus thing. I thought that was cool. I'd jump on board. No, have you encountered him in your life? Has he shown you your sin? Have you come to understand how desperately you need him?
Because if you have, you have a choice to make. You can follow him. You can take up your cross. You can give everything to him and you can live that I am second life. Or you can keep walking for yourself. I want to guys ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. How many of you would say, and I, please don't make me a liar here. Nobody's looking around. Band, don't come up yet. Nobody move. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you would say, I'm still walking the wide path? I want to ask you just to slip your hand up and look at me. You're still walking the path that leads to destruction. Okay? Some of you, thank you for being honest. Those of you that raised your hand, I want to ask you this question just as bluntly as I know how to ask it. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you come to that point where you've asked his forgiveness? Just look at me and shake your head yes or no. Okay. Because I want to pray for you. If you have that relationship, then that means you're not following him. You're his. Scripture tells us that when we belong to Christ, when we ask his forgiveness, when we become God's child, nothing, nothing can take that away. We are his. But we still make a choice daily to follow him on that path. And I want to pray for you. That even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when your friends don't understand your decisions, that you will have the strength and the courage to follow Christ. Go ahead and bow your heads if you were looking up. God, I want to pray right now. God, it's hard. Following you, having a relationship with you, God, you call us to so many things that we don't understand. You call us to so many things that that don't make any sense to us sometimes, God. But at the same time, you show us so many incredible things about who you are. And you show up in our lives and the lives of people that we know in amazing ways that we could never have imagined. And God, my prayer right now, I want to pray specifically for everybody that raised their hand, Lord, that that says, yeah, I've got a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but I'm still trying to walk the wide, easy road. God, I pray for each person in this room, Lord, that you will help us to follow you. God, surround us with other people. Our journey requires others. God, put other people in our lives that will hold us accountable. God, if we're we're in here tonight and we're not struggling and we're walking strong with you, God, I pray that you will put a burden on our heart for somebody in this room or in this group, even the ones that aren't here, God, that need the accountability. God, help us to follow after you every single day. Help us to love you in the way that you've called us to do, God. Help us to preach your gospel to each and every person we come in contact with the same way that you saw fit to equip Saul to do. And if there is anybody in here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, guys, we celebrate that when you come to know Christ. 
That's nothing to be ashamed of. That's nothing to be scared of. Even if you've grown up in this church and been here since you were in diapers. Don't walk out of this room tonight without talking to myself or talking to one of these other adults in here about that relationship. It may be hard sometimes, but it is the most incredible choice and the most amazing journey you will ever walk in your life. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.